Welcome to Spirit Connection with Doug Addison. Get ready to hear God, encounter the supernatural, and discover your destiny. Doug is a prophetic speaker, author, and coach whose message of love, hope, and having fun reaches people around the world. Connect with him online at DougAddison.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Spirit Connection podcast. Really excited that today we have a special guest with us, Dr. Mark Sharona, and maybe you know him from the internet, or maybe you know him from from television or books and things that he's written, but boy, he has such a history. He has a strong anointing to help people, business matters. He goes way back and crosses over into different areas, not just spirituality, psychology, he brings it all together, also a strong anointing in the area of pulling people together for their destiny and releasing them. And I've been following Dr. Sharona for a long time, and we're finally getting together on the podcast today to talk about what God's doing today and what he's releasing, specifically what he's releasing for today. Well, welcome, It's a great day, and it's great to be with you, Doug, and with all the podcast family. Yeah, so uh, just tell us about yourself and uh, where you're located and all that. Well, we're we're located in uh, Central Florida in the greater Orlando area. We uh, have a church that is called Church on the Living Edge, and we've been here now for about 20 years. Uh, Prior to that, we were in Raleigh, North Carolina. We had, for a while— both campuses going, and we eventually turned the Raleigh Church over. We're a cross-cultural, multi-ethnic church, um, unashamedly uh, honoring and doing our best to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and endeavoring to invite people out on the living edge where Jesus is, on the edge of adventure. Wow, I love that. And you know, that's a that's a bold thing, you know, if you really turn it turn it over to them like that. That's amazing. Yeah. So it's it's been a wonderful, wonderful journey. We have just a great congregation. I just love our people. Uh they are they are passionately pursuing the presence of God and are caught up in him. And that for me is very rewarding to see that. Yeah, that's, you know, it comes back to it. That's what it's all about is, you know, creating sons and daughters. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And disciple making is is a journey. It's it's I, it, it's it's not a technique. It's not a it's not a legalistic sort of um, an academic thing. It's about it's about sharing life and exchanging life in a context of meaningful relationships and that takes time. It takes time to build. You know, the kingdom, as we both know, is all about relationship. And uh, what connects us together is the primary relationship with the king himself. And there are people that you and I walk with today that we walk with them because we're connected to the king. But prior to knowing the king, we probably never would have crossed paths with them. But in the kingdom, connections are made that are pretty amazing because God knows how to put us together with people of like precious faith and people that are uh, hungry for the same pursuits of his glory as we are, uh, to see his reputation in the earth flourish. And so I'm really grateful to be part of what God's doing in these 
critical moments of challenge and change, disillusionment, disenchantment, disruption, name it what you want. But I, you know, Doug, I, I really think we're on the verge of perhaps a new reformation and a new renaissance as we are 500 years from when Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the Wittenberg door. Come on. Yeah. So I'm, a, I'm right with you with that, man. I know that we're on something. We, we really just feel it, that it's not going to go the status quo. And, you know, what, what we think is going to happen is, is not happening. Uh, so God's been speaking to you. I've been following you for a long time. And I really appreciate how you bring the academic or macadamia, uh, the macadamia. Macadamia <laughs> You bring the academic into the spiritual. There's very few people who actually do this. Well, you know, let's, let's take, for example, let's just take the epistles of Paul. You know, Paul was a student of Gamaliel who uh, was the leading Hebrew scholar of the first century when he and Jesus were alive. They were contemporaries. And when he writes, he writes with, you know, we, I'm not saying we don't need to make everything plain. However, you can't read Paul and not realize how sophisticated Paul's thinking is. And sometimes I think in our circles, we tend to scorn what it means to use our minds. But, you know, we're called to love God with our heart and our mind. And so I would like to raise the bar a little bit and invite our tribe to begin to develop their critical thinking skills and learn how to rightly divide the word of truth and, and learn to appreciate what it means to fully allow our minds to love God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's very, very powerful. You know, a lot of people miss that in the greatest commandment, love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Absolutely. And I think we do, I, we, we do tend to forget that, and I think it's important. Um, my journey has been one in which it's all been about the integration of the best of our tradition with the best of the scholarship that's been within our tradition that often goes unnoticed. You know, when, when the Pentecostal outpouring of the late 19th, early 20th century began, there weren't many people that were considered scholars. You know, Jesus, you know, when we talk about being on the living edge, I think a lot of times we don't realize where Jesus spent most of his time was with the poor, with the disenfranchised, with the marginalized. He was out on the edges. He was on the periphery. Uh, he didn't build his ministry in Jerusalem. He built it out where the peasants were, where the people that were not considered worth anything. Um, you know, the, the fact is that, that if you look carefully at first century Palestine, unless you were part of the elite upper crust, the top 5%, you weren't considered worth anything. And Jesus came for that 95% of the people that were considered worthless by the top 5%. And that's where our Pentecostal and charismatic roots come from, because the early pioneers in Pentecost realized that the Spirit of the Lord was upon Jesus to bring good news to the poor and to proclaim liberties to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind. And so all of those things represent what would have brought shame um, in the tradition of the Pharisaical idea that we're better than everybody else. And I am persuaded 
that if we want to find Jesus, we need to go out to the margins and and be where he is amongst people that are excluded and marginalized and disenfranchised. And and I I I see that moving more and more. I, I see I see Doug both within the baby boomer generation and the millennials. Uh, of those that are really hungry for the move of God, I, I see something shifting in that way, and I think it's a it's a positive thing because I think the more we understand how to rightly divide the word of truth from a perspective of interpreting by the fullness of the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit is more than listen. I get it. When we talk about as many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. And I I get it when our evangelical brothers and sisters say, well, that's about ethics. Okay, I get it. And then they'll say, and it's about morals. I get it. And it's about principles. I get it. However, I also know that being led by the Spirit is about walking in the dimension of the demonstration of the Spirit and power. And my concern is that we haven't had a voice at the table of academia until recently in the past 20 years where it's become okay to have dialogue from a perspective of Pentecostal power. And I, and I think that needs to happen. And I think it's going to happen because there's a whole lot of young men and women that are rising up and saying, we want to challenge the prevailing worldview of secularism. Uh, as we both know Lance really well, Lance is one of my dear friends, and we've talked about competing worldviews for years. And uh, it was Lance that pushed me to get my graduate degree in psychology years ago in terms of how do we plunder Babylon and, and take those riches and, and find a way to use them in a way that serves Christ. So anyway, I'm, I, I'm, I don't mean to be rambling. I'm just sharing. No, this is great because it's setting the groundwork here because this really comes back to just a core thing that I've seen going on right now about demonstrating God's love and power. Jesus came for the outcast. That's the 95%, like you said. Right. What are you seeing right now as part of this shift or, or the shift that's needed maybe even in the prophetic? You know, I I am— I am. I want to be very careful how I say this so that I'm not misunderstood. But so many people have a view of God that is divorced from the God who reveals himself as Father, Son, and Spirit. And if we're going to understand that this God is love, God didn't create me out of a need to love me. God was love long before I showed up. And the whole nature of the Godhead, those three persons, is that the Father has always loved the Son, and the Son has always loved the Father. There would be no Father if there was no Son. There would be no Son if there was no Father. And in the very beginning of the book of Genesis, we have the the presence of God the Father, we have the Word um, before he was made flesh, and we have the Spirit of God, who is the Spirit of the Father, and who is the agency whereby the love of God is conveyed between the Father and the Son. So the Spirit 
brings us into the fellowship of the Father and the Son, and we call that the manifest presence in our tribe. If we only would be willing to take that and say, that's great, what is the manifest presence? And let's describe it biblically. Let's put substance to this so that people can understand we're talking about a love relationship eternal between the Father and the Son by the Spirit, that they have always been complete, uh, that God has been complete as community in himself, and he's created us in his image and likeness, so that in the community of love between the Father and the Son, the Son invites us to participate in the love of his Father by the Spirit, so that we can share that love at a personal level with those we come in contact with, who are hungry and seeking what is missing in their life, which we know is the person and presence of Jesus, and they can't have him without the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, and, and so my, my concern is that there are, there are people in our, in our Protestant world that, that, that serve the Father, the Son, and the Scriptures instead of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and they turn the Scriptures into something as an end in itself— and don't realize that the scriptures bear witness to the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And the scriptures, therefore, are authoritative because of who the triune God is. And so I get really nervous when we, we get around people that are always proof texting and banging us over the head and saying, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do that. And I want to say, um, you're, you're pulling texts out of context, but Jesus said you search the scriptures because you think in them they have life, but you refuse to come to me. And, and we serve a God who's intimate and personal and by his spirit draws us into this amazing exchange of love that has been going on forever and ever and ever. And he knows us intimately and personally. And out of that love, you know, Faith works through love so that for us as the people of the Spirit, we come into the communion of the Father and the Son by the Spirit. We experience this amazing love that the Father and the Son exchange with one another because the Spirit brings us into that. And that's where our faith turns loose, and that's where the demonstration of the Spirit and power comes because what people are looking for is intimacy and and the journey of healing and and we we know the Father and the Son by the Spirit, and we invite them into that dance. And that's when the miracles happen. Yeah, that's when all the charisms. That's when you know because you know that's that's when the charisms are at their highest. Is when we're walking in that kind of love. That is amazing. What I'm amazed at, I love this the community of love. And when yeah. you're talking about it, it was existed before Father, Son, Holy Spirit. This has been going on for eternity, and now we're invited into this dance. That is so amazing. Yeah, the early Greek fathers called it perichoresis, and it was their way of describing the relations between the the three persons of the one Godhead, and um, it's pretty fascinating stuff. Yeah. Now, how does this affect us on the day-to-day stuff in the church and what's going on right now? Well, you know, it's it's a great question, because to me, you know, if I, if I, if I have this dialogue about God, it divorces me from the experience of God. And it's my conviction that because we're a people of the Spirit, our conversations, 
speaking to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, uh, talking about the love of the Father, talking about the love of our great high priest, who's our elder brother and who's the king of the kingdom. We bring him into the conversation because he's within us and we are discovering him in each other. And so practically, if, if, if I understand that God created us in his image and likeness, then I can't know myself by myself. So when God says it's not good for man to be alone and he creates a complement to Adam, then Adam couldn't know himself apart from Eve. And if it's a type of Christ in the church, I can't know who I am without you. You become my mirror in Christ. So until I can see him in you, I can't see him in me. And so practically, we need to find him in each other because we don't know him after the flesh. We know him after the spirit and his spirit lives inside the body. And that's us. And so we're that community of love that is to share that love in such a way that the world believes that the father sent him. And that's where the miracles happen. Wow. Yeah. And and so when the miracle of life and love through the Lord, but you know, the missing piece, of course, is the Holy Spirit pulling it all together. Absolutely. He's the he's the he is the bond between the father and the son. And he's the bond that puts us in the middle of all that amazing, perfect love. Yeah. Now, what kind of miracles? I mean, some people are thinking, you know, charismatic Pentecostal miracles. Is that what you're talking about here? Well, you know, I think, you know, if if I look at Scripture, you know, we serve a God of signs and wonders. I mean, from Genesis to Revelation, he does. He specializes in doing all sorts of amazing things. And neither one of us is strangers to seeing God do small miracles. I mean, we've had people... Uh, you know, I, I know this for some, this may sound, you know, weird or strange, but, you know, we have people, Doug, we've had people in our congregation that couldn't afford to go to a dentist and they had major cavities and God would fill their teeth with gold. Wow. I've seen it. I mean, we've got we've got documents of that, but we've also had people that have had major issues with major coronary blockages and God has intervened and opened up those arteries so that they didn't need surgery. Now, I would like to say that happens all the time. It doesn't. I can't provide accurate answers. There are some mysteries for me that I just, I bow in humility before God. I believe God wants to heal everyone. However, I I am persuaded that the God who parted the Red Sea is making a way out of no way all sorts of times in our lives if we're paying attention. Yeah. And, you know, one of the biggest miracles I think that we're seeing right now, the need of, is the miracle of love. Yeah. And that's what we're lacking. I, I believe it's one of the things that we're, why we're seeing these disasters, why we're seeing all this stuff, the shootings and all these things like that. Yeah, and 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 sadly, sadly, the church has gotten caught up in the spirit of offense. And so I don't think we realize how when the church is divided, the Holy Spirit is grieved. And, and so when we talk about the love of God, we're talking about the love that exists between the father and the son 
as the spirit is the bond who conveys the love of the father. You know, Jesus, we're talk, we talk often about how Jesus emptied himself as a servant. Well, Jesus, as the eternal son of God, has always emptied himself into the father and the father has always emptied himself into the son. They glorify one another and that glorifying is a sharing of that mutual love. And the spirit is the bond that conveys that love and he brings us into that and we're called as his sons and daughters to walk in that with one another. And when we don't do that, and, and again, we, all the, the things that you articulated so clearly about where the culture is right now and the violence and the unrest, there is such a spirit of offense that is sitting uh, on the culture and on society, but it's crept into the church and, and it's grieved the Holy Spirit it, it be, because it prevents us from letting the world know that God sent his son because they, they'll know when we love one another. And, and if love is the, is, the, is the energizing power of faith, because faith works through love, if we want to see more of the demonstration of the spirit and power, we've got to learn how to walk in love and not in offense and, and it's, it is scandalous to walk in, in offense, and it, it grieves the Holy Spirit. Ern Baxter was one of the mentors to my generation. I don't know if you remember Jay Ern Baxter, Prince of Preachers, but Ern used to talk to us about the scandal of our divisions and how we talk often about the sufferings of Jesus, both in his three-and-a-half-year ministry and then intently in his passion in the last week of his life. We talk about that three and a half year period of his sufferings, but we never talk about the 2000 years that the Holy Spirit has been moving in the church and how often he's been grieved, how often he's been quenched, how often he's been blasphemed because the church fails to walk in the in the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And so then we wonder why we're not seeing more of the demonstration of the Spirit, it's because I think we grieve him by our divisiveness and our offenses. Yeah, that says it all right there. And is there anything that you can offer for us as far as, you know, how, how do we deal with this on a daily basis or people in churches or businesses today? You know, I, I think we need to start recognizing that if someone is a follower of Jesus— whether they say everything the way I say or not, I need to love them the way God loves them. They're my brother. They're my sister. And I'm not going to agree with everything that some of my um, brothers in other denominations are going to say. But I can celebrate the fact that we our fellowship is in Christ and not in our denominational biases. And and there's only one body, ultimately, and that body, and there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all, in all, and through all. And we need to—if if Jesus broke down the middle wall of barrier and petition between Jews and Gentiles— how much more do we need to break down the walls of denominationalism and sectarianism and start fellowshipping Christ and not fellowshipping our particular systems of doctrine? Not that doctrine isn't important. It is. But I think some of the things, I think we strain at gnats to swallow camels, Doug. And I think, you know, we're never going to all agree on 
on things like water baptism at emer at, as immersion or sprinkling or water baptism as a baby or, you know, I, I'm a radical Anabaptist. I believe in adult baptism, but I've got Presbyterian friends because I was raised Presbyterian <laughs> that, are, that are diehard pedo-baptists. But you know what? They're my brothers and sisters in Jesus. And I'm not going to, I'm not about to divide over that. I, I can't, I can't do that. I would be grieving the Holy Spirit. I, I want to celebrate every place I see Jesus moving. Yeah, this is so powerful. Uh, I think it's a mystery that we we have lost, the mystery of the body of Christ. Oh, absolutely. And and it is a mystery. And that that is that's a profound theological statement. Uh we could spend hours just on that. We have such a low view of 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 the bride, the wife of the lamb. We have so reduced church in the current culture to an entertainment factor when we are the priests, prophets, and kings who are called as a company, a, a called-out company, to cover the earth with God's glory in Christ and to fill the earth with that glory because we are, we are the body of Christ. I don't I can't figure out how God takes all of us broken folk and says, you're the body and the head is in heaven, but the body's on earth. You're the ongoing incarnation in the earth. And I'm going to use all of your brokenness and put my beauty on top of it. And I'm going to fill the earth with glory through all of you. Yeah, I love that. And that's what's going on right now, honestly. Like to bring this all around is, you know, we need the Holy Spirit. It is that relationship with the Father, the Son, through the Holy Spirit, developing the community of love and extending that from heaven onto earth. Absolutely. And I just, I tell you, you've said it so well. And a lot of the things that, that we're seeing in the world right now, I believe it's the power of the Holy Spirit and it's the community of love that's going to really fix everything. I totally agree. And and I think the more the more we are willing to lay aside our need to be always right and embrace our greater need to be reconciled, I think we'll start seeing people outside of Christ be reconciled to the Father. That is the greatest miracle right there. <laughs> and that might be called revival. Yeah, it just might. <laughs> it just might. Wow. Well, you know, we're we're talking with Dr. Mark Sharona, and this has been so deep, so amazing. And I just love the wisdom that flows whenever you talk. And, and um, we could just go on forever and ever. I think we're just going to need to schedule another time with you and <laughs> oh, talk you. about the deep things about the Spirit, because— that's what the Lord's doing right now. Yeah, and and I would love to do that, Doug. I, I enjoy your prophetic function. I'm, I love the prophetic. I cut my eye teeth on prophetic function. And so there's so much in relationship to, and again, these are when we talk about the charismata, the, the grace manifestations, these are all expressions of him. You know, he is the spirit of Christ. I mean, this stuff I mean, it's a, when we get him, he reveals Christ to us in all his fullness. And with that come the signs and the wonders that Jesus presents himself alive by many convincing proofs. 
I love that stuff. We can talk yeah. about that all day long. I you love it too. <laughs> so uh, tell us how we can get a hold of you. How can we follow you? What you know, if you're offering anything or anything coming up? Um, if you want to follow me on Facebook, I've got three Facebook pages, but the big page is the Dr. Mark Sharona page. C H I R O N N A, uh, but go to the Dr. Mark Sharona page because I'm I'm full on the other two private pages. But the the like page is 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 wide open, and I post the same things there that I do uh, on the smaller pages. On Twitter, it's at Mark Sharona C H I R O N N A, and um, MarkSharona.com is the website. Um, I've got a new book coming out in the new year, all about the sons of Issachar. We haven't come up with a, a full title yet, but it's going to be on understanding the times and knowing what to do. And they can just log on to social media, find out what we're up to, the events we do and where we're going. If I'm going to be somewhere in their city, uh, they come by and say hi, hug my neck, whatever. That'd be great. That would be great. And especially, boy, I really want to have you back to talk about your new book because, you know, I have uh, some people tell me anyway that I operate in the Sons of Issachar type of anointing. And mm-hmm. I know that there's a lot of interpretations of that, but, you know, getting the daily prophetic and just kind of getting a, a handle on that. But more than that is just to hear what you're saying right now about what God's doing right now in this time, in this season. Sure. Happy to do it anytime. Yeah, that would be great. Well, we've been talking with Dr. Mark Sharona. Check him out on the internet. Go to one of his live events. Follow him on, on Facebook and Twitter. And thanks so much, Mark. Hey, Doug. It's always an honor. Love you much. All right. God bless you all. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Spirit Connection with Doug Addison. Connect with him online at DougAddison.com.